That was a typical song of the Valencia district of Spain. It was titled El Vito by Embrullo Mestizo. Our correspondent in Spain, Karen Avila, who has an extensive background in research, set out to learn more about Buddhism in Spain and enjoyed an interesting discussion at a Buddhist centre in Valencia with the manager, Matron Gosha, as Karen explains in this introduction. Today I'm here with, uh, actually, let me stop and ask you this. Mm -hmm. So today I'm here with Maitre Gosha, who's the manager of the Centro Budista de Valencia, or the Buddhist Center of Valencia mm -hmm. in the city of Valencia here in Spain. I recently visited a Buddhist center near the village of Pedreguer, that's on Costa Blanca, near to where I'm staying. I wanted to visit the center more out of interest than anything, but prior to my visit, and shortly after, I began to read more and more about Buddhism and found myself attracted to the various elements, uh, and in particular, the emphasis on kindness and acceptance, especially at a time when it seems that much of the world is becoming increasingly divisive. Since I was visiting the city of Valencia in the coming weeks, I decided to see if there was a center nearby. Sure enough, there was. I made a plan to visit the center on my personal quest to understand more about Buddhism. Maitre Gosha was kind enough to respond to my email inquiry, and he welcomed me to join a meditation class at the center. The meditation class also happened to be in Spanish, uh, which was a good thing for me because it's doubled as an opportunity for me to improve my Spanish skills. And although Maitre Gosha wasn't there at the time, we stayed in contact, and he's graciously agreed to join me for a conversation today about Buddhism, and more specifically about Buddhism in Spain. But before diving into the interview, I just want to add, um, this particular Buddhist center in Valencia is part of the Triratna Buddhist community. So as I understand it from doing a little bit of research, Triratna is an ecumenical Buddhist movement, and ecumenical in this particular context, meaning that Triratna is a practice that borrows from many Buddhist traditions and not just one school of thought. On the website uh, for the center, it's expressly stated that the Triratna Buddhist community is an international Buddhist movement, mm -hmm. and one of their core values is non-discrimination towards gender, race, ideology, and sexual orientation. That's right. I'm very much looking forward to hearing more about the mission and values of the center that you manage. So uh, without further delay, thank you so much, Maitre Gosha, for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So I thought we could start off. Uh, we talked a little bit about your background and where you're from, uh, because you are not from Spain directly. So maybe mm -hmm. you could tell us a little bit more about where you're from and how you, um, how you came into the Buddhist community. Okay, well, I consider really myself a citizen of the world. I know it might sound like a cliche, but I'm originally from Mexico, uh, but I moved from uh, Mexico in 2004 and uh, lived in, in the UK, in Cambridge, uh, around 11 years. And then uh, and I moved to, to the UK precisely to to deepen my ordination process uh, because I got involved in the Mexico Buddhist Center of, of, of Trirana in the Trirana um, in, in movement in Mexico uh, City and um, because there were very few but at that time there were only just uh, two other members and uh, now there are around 60 I, I, I believe so it's been almost 20 years I've been away from Mexico mm -hmm. and uh, well I didn't precisely <laughs> plan to 
to stay so long. So my plan was to go two years to the UK, get ordained and go back, but actually it took me longer to, to get ordained. It took me five years. And then, uh, well, I, I've been always very interested in, in studying, so I wanted to to um, dive uh, deeper in studying the uh, Buddhism. So I did a master's in Buddhist studies, and I also got a certification in breathworks. It's a, it's a mindfulness kind of secular approach of, of, of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I went to Oslo because a friend invited me to 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 go to Norway and uh, I I was there for two years more or less, and then I moved to Spain to the mountains to a retreat center where men get ordained, and uh, from the mountains near Alicante uh, in Spain, so I moved here to Valencia. So I've been in Valencia a little bit over five years, and now I'm here uh, the manager of the Valencia Buddhist Center and um, also. It's, it's a weird uh, kind of uh, responsibility. I'm Mitra convener, but what it means is mainly I, I got uh, uh, more the privilege, the the responsibility to to make sure uh, men and also women, but they got study group and also I support the. Uh, 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 well, I lead and support uh, uh, courses, uh, retreats, uh, many activities. So and part of the Buddhist Council here in, in Valencia. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I was reading about um, a lot of the activities that you do, not just from having visited the center, but on the website. And I, I want to ask you about those in a little bit, just to um, mm. elaborate a little bit more on those. But before mm-hmm. we get into some of more of the details, uh, I was very curious um, because, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about my own personal background and mm. how I became interested in Buddhism. What... I've struggled with a little bit is whether or not to refer to Buddhism as a religion or a philosophy. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I've been leaning Mm -hmm. on the word philosophy, but I wanted Mm -hmm. to see if, uh, you know, in in a few minutes, understanding this is quite a big topic, um, and you also mentioned you had some special interest in this topic, is is Buddhism religion or philosophy or both? Well, it's a very good question, and uh, I would say both. But it depends very much what do we understand by by religion and philosophy. If we go to the etymology, it's perfectly right to say it's a religion in the sense that, uh, I mean, if you go to to study uh, uh, with the philosophers of, of, of religion, so there are so many views, but mainly religion comes from Latin religari, which is try, tries to to uh, reunite or, or to give meaning to, to men. But, most most philosophers agree that all religions tries to make sense to 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 life and tries to is is kind of that there is a soteriological aspect to to religion and what what do I mean by soteriological aspect is uh, there is a a, a search for uh, um, make uh, uh, give meaning to the to the question of suffering. So, and that's very clear that uh, that Buddhism, even there is no uh, a God in the sense of a theistic religion of a God creator, in that sense, definitely Buddhism is, is a religion. So, but in which sense uh, philosophy, is, uh, Buddhism is a philosophy also. It's not in the sense of a, a merely a, a systematic uh, kind of discourse, like we understand a modern uh, a philosophy just mainly as a kind of a complex uh, uh, 
uh, discourse on, uh, on on different subjects. Uh, and by the way, just to say that the, uh, the Buddhist tradition is very, very vast and uh, there is actually very sophisticated religion, uh, very, very sophisticated uh, uh, writings on, on philosophy. And actually, one of the reasons I, I, I joined Buddhism, because before I was, uh, I was Buddhist, I studied uh, philosophy and uh, by that time I got very disenchanted with all sorts of religions. Actually, when I was in secondary school, I was kind of very religious uh, from child. At least I got some, what I mean religious, but sometimes people mean maybe spiritual, you know. <laughs> Again, what do we mean by that? Yeah. Uh, my parents are deaf. I got the deaf parents. So since very young age, I, I witnessed kind of the existential suffering from my from my parents, my siblings. And even though I, I, I did not suffer poverty or, or violence or nothing like that, um, it, it, it felt really important to me to try to make sense to to life, to, to suffering. And uh, at some point I wanted to become a Catholic priest, but very, very young age I got deeply disappointed by the hypocrisy, the, the dogmas, etc. Uh, well, after exploring all sorts of new age uh, uh, traditions and uh, uh, you know, as a as teenager zoo, I, I, at the end I in university I studied philosophy and uh, I was kind of proud, a little bit arrogant, uh, uh, you know, calling me myself non-theistic and uh, 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 kind of um, denying or ridiculizing all kind of religions. But when I came across the Mexico Buddhist Center, I was deeply impressed by the sophistication and the depth of uh, of the Buddhist philosophy. And uh, and actually, later on in 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 the in the UK in Cambridge, I I did my dissertation, master's dissertation on non-dogmatism in Buddhism because uh, I was very interested in that issue of no non-dogmatism and dogmatism has been an issue that always uh, uh, interests me uh, mainly maybe because I I couldn't recognize myself be, uh, starting very naive very idealistic and how being in some new age schools I. I kind of fall for kind of uh, very idealistic but dogmatic uh, ideas, you know, and uh, and just uh, I've always been interested in history, and we we know very well that all all extreme uh, political movements of uh, fascist and uh, or even extreme left, you know, the worst kind of history you can see them in Stalinist uh, communism and uh, with Nazi and fascist movements. Mm -hmm. So. So I was very, always very interested, uh, you know, in, in those issues, yeah. You mentioned the word sophisticated to describe Buddhism, and I, and mm. I really like that word. And mm. I could see, from my own interpretation, why you might say that. But if you can maybe tell me a little bit, in what way mm. did you find it sophisticated? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, in, in very general terms, you can find parallels that... Uh, you can re reduce or you can summarize what Buddhism is about. Uh, some uh, some uh, philosophers actually that they don't claim to be Buddhist themselves. They could you could see that Buddhism is about uh, training your your mind, mind heart, and the word in Pali is uh, chitta bhavana. Chitta stands for mind heart because you cannot really separate the cognitive aspect from the emotional aspect. And bhavana is uh, it's a beautiful word that means something like develop, uh, cultivate. It comes from the uh, the background of uh, of uh, agriculture and and uh, it's very much uh, Buddhism is is. Uh, 
is uh, using all the resources and creating all the conditions to train your mind, to develop your mind. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's uh, something I really love about Buddhism is that I could just I could find not just uh, very beautiful uh, discourses, very appealing, very uh, very profound, but it provides also a kind of a map how to do it. Just to give you an example, I in university study philosophy, I did my master's on, uh, on Plotinus. Is a the is considered the the founder of Neoplatonism, one of the mystic traditions and always been very interested in, in, in mysticism. And, and there is a, well, you mentioned before in our previous conversation about Sufism, that there are some connections of Neoplatonism and, and Sufism. And, but what I mentioned is that Buddhism not just provides beautiful discourses, it provides a map of how to do it, how to actually practice. And uh, I was really impressed with that. So we can talk about meditation, but we can talk about ways to really train your mind, how to, to get rid from uh, wrong views, prejudices. And um, so it's a really in-depth uh, uh, kind of methodology uh, of how, how, to, how to work with, you, with your mind. And, uh, and I found it very, very, uh, very appealing, very interesting. And uh, uh, some some of the things that really impressed me about Buddhism is that uh, you find kind of a, um, what, what can you call it? I'm trying to remember in my dissertation, but like many philosophers, for example, one of the great scholars of Buddhism is, is Richard Gombrich, and he doesn't consider himself Buddhist, but he says that the, the Buddhist teachings can be considered to the, to the height of the greatest philosophers in, mm. in all history, like Plato, Aristotle, and of course for us Buddhists, yeah, the Buddha is not just merely a, a philosopher, he's, he's an enlightened one, someone who had awakened, actually a Buddha is a, 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 an epithet, it's not a name, a Buddha literally means the awakened one, of, of course it's a metaphor that, re, that tries to point to the to this idea that we are kind of a, a sleeping, we are uh, we are not awaking, we are uh, living a kind of a, an illusion. It's like where we are dreaming, mm-hmm. and we in our dreaming we we really believe that the, that experience, and then when you wake up, say, so, oh, it was just a dream. So it's interesting that that illusion. So. And I think you brought up a good, uh, a, an important approach that is something I also appreciate is it trains the mind as opposed to mm-hmm. using fear-based tactics for behavior. Mm-hmm. That's it right. Comes, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. really from uh, a, a much more. Uh, uh, a, 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 I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this, but it, it comes from a, a much more. Uh, uh, you know, a place where nuance, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. As opposed to, yeah. it's just the, the fear-based tactic is the first thing I thought of when you think of other, mm. you know, you know, human behavior and conduct. There is this fear-based. Don't do this because this is going to happen to you. But that doesn't mm. teach you why it's important yeah. to mm. um, behave a certain way or conduct yourself yeah, in a certain yeah. way. So it sounds like that's one of the big distinctions as well. Yeah, yeah. I think like in all religions, you can might find you might find traces of uh, this kind of tactics. Actually, Buddhism talks about thirteen different kind of hells. So actually, and and it's interesting in the <laughs> Buddha's <laughs> yeah in the Buddha's time, some people kind of challenge the Buddha and say, why why do you talk about these hells? You know, it's like, but the Buddha says it's kind of a, a, a strategy. But actually, it's, it's, it's definitely not strong. I think the the main uh, motivation that the Buddha really encouraged is that. 
uh, is in our in our own reach to get free from freedom. So that was really the emphasis when the Buddha was approached, and people some some you know there is a very famous teaching you know that people wanted to uh, challenge the Buddha, they wanted to to answer kind of great existential and uh, metaphysical uh, questions. And the Buddha, he says, I'm not interested in, in all those questions, you know. What I'm interested in is the liberation of freedom. And these four famous questions uh, were about, you know, if the, if the space is finite or infinite, if, if the time is eternal or non-eternal, if body and mind, which is actually not not really body and mind. It's similar to the uh, Descartes uh, uh, kind of uh, stand on the the separation between uh, body and mind. But in the Buddhist ten- sense, is jiva, which stands as um, the life principle, and mind, citta, if they are the same or different. And the last one is uh, uh, when the Buddha, the Tathagata, dies. What happens with the uh, with him, is he dead or non-dead? Both dead, both non-existent, non-existent. So it's very. And the Buddha just said, "I'm not interested in in those questions. What I'm interested and in, all that, all while uh, my teaching and practice, all is about is about um, freedom from suffering. You know, liberation from from suffering, and uh, it's very pragmatic in that in that sense. And that's what I really. But really, uh, it doesn't mean that later on there were no great, uh, great writings. You know, for example, the Abhidharma is one of the the traditional texts of the the ancient the the Canon Pali uh, um, that actually really systematizes the Buddha's teachings and and elaborates. And uh, there are lots of comments, and you you can say that actually there are very sophisticated. Uh, uh, metaphysical uh, sometimes writings and uh, and uh, what is interesting in the Buddhist teachings on the Buddhist writings they don't have the place as a kind of a of a revealed truth you know they there are so many of them are considered Buddha Vachana the word of the Buddha but there is no this sense of uh, you cannot criticize them you can you have to believe them uh, taken deep literally one of the constants in in, in in Buddhism is that the Buddha himself he said don't believe anything I say uh, put it in practice test it uh, like the like the goldsmith test the, the the gold you know he doesn't just uh, naively believes uh, the ones who sell it you know he tests it with acid you know right. he buys it analyze so the, in the same way uh, he 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 asks constantly his uh, disciples to to touch the teaching so I think so that's a big difference. Thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Really and even incredible. like if you look at certain, uh, I mean, this is uh, going into, again, I think this is a, it's a great topic. We could go into so many different branches of it. But even, mm. you know, with education to a certain degree, you want people to analyze and come to decisions independently as opposed to being fed uh, mm. directly. Uh, and it sounds like that's part of the philosophy um, mm. or some of that's embedded in the philosophy is is um, testing and, and discovering for yourself as opposed to just believing. Um, so yeah. I, I want to, switch gears and uh, mm-hmm. get into a little bit more how Buddhism came to Spain. So there's mm. a, a couple questions around this that I had in mind when I was, uh, and again, mm. this is how I was getting to know Buddhism a little bit more, and, and I found it was so interesting. And again, this is 
what I've you know read just by doing a very quick Google search, but that Buddhism is the fourth re- largest religion in Spain. When That's I mapped for different yeah. centers, there yeah. are a number of different centers close to where I live, which is out on the coast, on the eastern coast, yeah. um, but then yeah. all throughout other parts of Spain. So yeah. I wanted to ask you a couple questions. So. Um, you know, Spain I've gotten to know over the last couple of years, and mm-hmm. there are a lot of things about the Spanish culture that I enjoy co- quite a bit. Mm-hmm. My understanding mm-hmm. is that Buddhism came to Spain in uh, around the 1970s. Um, so I wanted to first touch on maybe mm-hmm. what you what you know, how Buddhism came to Spain, how it came to land here, but also um, do you see anything about the Spanish culture that goes back to before Buddhism arrived that you feel maybe complements the philosophy? Well, it's an interesting question, but to be completely honest, I, 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 I don't have uh, enough information to make an informed opinion. But the only thing I can tell you is that I, I know that at least in Valencia, a Trirana uh, Buddhist Center was founded around 40 years ago. And I know that uh, apparently, at least in Valencia, we were the first uh, uh, Buddhist Center or, well, that's that's what I've heard, you know, I cannot... Uh, the first Buddhist uh, center in Spain? The first Buddhist center, no, in Valencia. Oh, I see, okay. But I, I, I cannot claim that the, we were the first in in, uh, in Barcelona or Madrid. Uh, what I know, for example, is that uh, Trirana, was, um, as you might know, started in UK. So Trirana is definitely the biggest movement in, in the UK, but that's not the case in Spain. I know there are other traditions that are... Uh, there are more uh, or have much more members actually in spain it's only in valencia uh, with no many members and, and barcelona but it's interesting that you you ask about the the culture myself i'm i'm, I'm kind of still getting acquainted i mean i've been uh, uh, seven years in total in Spain, but the first two years I was in a Buddhist center with full of, uh, uh, I was the only Spanish speaker and uh, the rest were Scottish and well, the English and Scottish, so so there was no real experience of Spain. And what I'm really getting a, a little bit more acquainted in Spain because I got a fair experience of Trirana, I mean, starting in Mexico, then the UK, and then Norway. And what I find very interesting here in Spain is that uh, I, I've talked about this with several friends, you know, because of the very strong condition with the, with the civil war, you know, with the uh, yes. fra- Francism, or mm-hmm. how do you say it? Well, would you know? From with Francisco the, Franco. Yeah, yeah. from Franco, Francisco Franco, the Francoism. Uh, I think there is, it's very clear that there is a a kind of a strong reaction, not just to religions, but to all sort of institutions. So it's, it's kind of, um, it's very distrustful. So I find that people in Spain are much less receptive and much less kind of, uh, I think the, the quality of life here in Spain is so comfortable, it's so high yeah. that, uh, you know, if pe- I think it's, <laughs> this might sound a little bit too critical, but uh, for me, it's very clear that the, uh, for example, the movement in 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 Mexico, uh, it was founded uh, apparently around in in the nineties, very close to the same time here in Valencia, and in Mexico has really expanded. But of course, you have to consider Mexico City is a huge city, uh, you know, the, the metropolitan area is. 25 million or something like that. And so here in Valencia, see? I understand it's like 700 or 500,000. I don't right. know. 
So Would you say mix- that there's, oh, sorry, so most of the, because I yeah. know so, uh, like Valencia is a very mixed city, and I know that there's a lot of uh, expatriates from the United States there. It's actually tends That's to be a popular city for, for U.S. expats, but there's other people from all sorts yeah. of uh, different parts of the Europe and the world that um, yeah. that visit Valencia. So do you have a sense of the visitors and the, the regulars to the center who come to the meditation classes and the other activities that you support? Would you say that there's, what would you say is the division between um, expatriates versus um, those people from Spain that are visiting? Do you see a discrepancy in that? Well, well yeah. Well, I don't know if the discrepancy... Well, we, we try to run uh, English classes, but we only have, not right now, on Wednesdays, we got a class for English speakers. Uh, at the same time, I run the, this, uh, the Spanish class of... Uh, meditation and um, Buddhism in Spanish. At the same time, on the, another room is just a meditation class in in English, but it varies. Not 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 many visit. Uh, not many people go to that class. But for sure, every time we we get the visitors that they speak very little Spanish and they they want to try. But uh, not just uh, native English speakers, but the people from Germany or mm-hmm. that usually they speak good <laughs> good English. So. So yeah, like you said, there are plenty of visitors. But uh, it's interesting. For example, now in in the in Valencia Buddhist Center, many of the people really kind of committed in, involved, uh, and the majority are not from Spain. Uh, um, you know, there are Argentinians, there are Latin Americans like like myself. Uh, actually, at the very beginning, it was founded by English people. The 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 movement here. So so there is still a. a, a a big part of the Valencia Buddhist Center of, of the Sangha, or the spiritual community of Trirana, okay. uh, many of them are non, uh, non-Spanish native, you know, but uh, more and more. The, the, the new director, the chair of uh, the Valencia Buddhist Center is certainly Spanish, is, is from here, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a... Uh, I, I think that's interesting. Uh, it, uh, it'd be interesting to, you know, again, because I've, I've been looking at the website and seeing all the different types of activities you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, interesting just to keep my finger on the pulse of, of what's happening there. When I went to the Center of the Meditation class, I did meet uh, a number of people from uh, mm-hmm. other places who had either lived mm-hmm. in Spain for a while or right. were just passing through as visitors. So it sounds like you get uh, um, a nice mix of people. So yeah, I, yeah. I actually met a Spaniard who, who spoke very good English, so I was able to talk to him for a while. So right. it sounds like there's right. a, a healthy mix, but uh, I think it's an interesting point, would you say, mm-hmm. um, sort of about the reception uh, to Buddhism mm-hmm. and because of you know what's rooted in their history, like our own personal histories affect uh, yeah, of all course. of us. But yeah. before yeah. we wrap yeah. up, um, I wanted to tie up uh, I wanted to type the conversation with asking one more question, and uh, mm-hmm. again, it's it's a loaded question, but I figured maybe you know in a, in a minute or less, what what comes to your mind when um, when you're when you look at modern times and just with all this unpre- unprecedented global activity related mm-hmm. to politics, environment, mm-hmm. social media, mm-hmm. of course, and that influence that's had on not just mm-hmm. my generation but the younger generation for sure that really grew mm-hmm. up in social media um is yeah. there something that comes to mind uh in terms of what what might you feel is the most significant or one of the most significant buddhist teachings that are relevant to today's world mm-hmm. it's interesting you say that because uh, i'm thinking nowadays we you know with the not just the wars you know in the middle east and the russian uh, ukraine but just the whole kind of a, the culture wars, you know, the identity ideologies and the politics and uh, all this kind of tribalism. And uh, 
you know, few years ago, you know, I was, you know, a little bit careless, just speaking out my, my own ideas. And it's so, it can so easily be taken out of context. And nowadays, uh, I really try to be uh, super careful not to take part. And I think for me, the most important thing just just to keep coming back to, to, to the roots, a kind of the teaching of, of the Buddha, which is about really bringing this aspect of, uh, of uh, loving wisdom, you know. It's not sentimentality. Actually, in Buddhism, uh, uh, metta or maitri, which is loving kindness, is, is rooted in wisdom. And as you said before, uh, wisdom or training the clarity of mind is one of the three major aspects, you know. It's, it's called sila samadhi pranya. Sila stands for ethics or or, or development of uh, of uh, the precepts, you know, training in in the in kind of a and a skillful behavior, uh, samadhi in training into mindfulness and positive emotions, and and pranya is training into wisdom. Uh, but for me nowadays, I think the most important thing is just to keep coming back to to to. Um, a non-divisive uh, approach uh, and be very careful of any kind of interpretation. So try to get back to the, the basics of uh, Dharma teaching. What I mean by Dharma is the, the Buddhist teachings, you know, and uh, which is, uh, for example, this retreat I'm going to uh, to to lead at the end of the year retreat mm-hmm. uh, is about... Um, um, how to transform uh, hate into uh, loving wisdom? We are going to to base that retreat on a ancient uh, teaching, the Brahma Viharas or the sublime uh, 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 abodes. It's about a four a set of four uh, skillful emotion. It's it's, a, it's loving kindness, compassion or karuna, mudita, which is empathetic uh, joy, the the ability to to respond with, with joy rather than with jealousy or envy to what's going on well with with other people and equanimity you know the the ability to to stay kind of uh, centered not in indifference but in in in, in perturb- imperturbable uh, loving kindness uh, either to suffering or to to joy it, it's not easy it's much easier to say than uh, it's, it's much easier said than than don't you know but uh, and that's 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 where I really want to keep coming back, you know, to uh, one one of the most important teachings in Buddhism is, is says about training the mind is about learning to to kind of uh, to uh, to stop what is called papancha is the proliferation of the mind is is all it's what leads us to to prejudices what uh, leads us to uh, to reaction and. Uh, and that's what is going on, you know. It's just so much uh, uh, opinionatedness, so much uh, uh, prejudices, so many assumptions that that's what leads to to misunderstandings, to prejudices, to hate, to to all what is going on, no? That yeah. we're seeing. So. Yeah. Well, I wanted to um, I wanted to thank you for taking time today. Um, I think we we touched on a lot of very important topics. I know that um, the Valencia Center is very active in the local community in the city of Valencia, as well as hosting mm-hmm. retreats for people who can go into the mountains and join um, social and meditation groups. To if you need a uh, a time to break away uh, from modern activity and uh, sort of the hectic lifestyles we tend to uh, live and resort to. So um, it's it's very exciting that you are, are there. I hope to join mm. one of your retreats one day and certainly uh, 
to uh, another meditation class at the center because uh, I know everyone's welcome there and, and uh, there's course. a lot of people from all over that pass through. So thank you again so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> Karen Avila there speaking with Matron Gosha, manager Valencia Buddhist Center. You can hear her full interview on soundcloud.com forward slash travel writers radio. And that brings our first hour to a close, but do stay tuned to JE88FM as we'll be back at 6pm with a second hour of Travel Writers Radio. We are the wild, we are the free, and our fire burns eternally. We'll travel far, far as the eyes can see.